This is an audio sermon recorded at Highway 71 Church of Christ in Alma, Arkansas. We are Christians seeking to worship God in spirit and in truth. We would love for you to worship with us at 1030 on Sunday mornings at 1808 Highway 71 North in Alma, Arkansas. Well, good morning. It's good to be here with you all. Thanks for uh, passing those out. I'll try to, uh, I was going to do a PowerPoint, but I thought, you know, this would be something that uh, you could take with you and follow along that way. So you can see the message this morning behind me is the what, where, who, what, and where, the work of the local church. Um, You know, the the church definitely has structure, and that's what I want to talk to you about this morning. You know, it's like any business or the military or the police force or uh, a sports team or, you know, just anything at all. There's a specific structure to it. There's the who, you know, who makes that team up, uh, what they're trying to accomplish, what's their mission, and what's the scope that they're working within. So the local church has that as well. And that's my goal today to talk about that. Now, um, this was a bit inspired by uh, Dane's message last week. You know, Dane spoke of Solomon and, um, you know, in all his riches and glory, he realized it was all vanity. And uh, per uh, Ecclesiastes 5.12, the sleep of the labor is sweet, whether he eats little or much. So this really got me thinking, thinking about the, the work of the church. You know, we all want to have sweet sleep from our labors. And uh, whether that be the labor that we perform for our families or the labor here, the labor that God has uh, put us to work doing. So in the environment, in the culture around us today, um, around all of our families, there's an opportunity to draw a very sharp contrast between the Lord's church, those who call themselves Christians and behave that way, and those of the world. And so what that does with, you know, we just all realize that it seems to be more dramatic and stark every day, that it provides a tremendous opportunity to us as Christians to be different than that and effectively share that hope that we have what makes us as Christians different with all those around us. So that's what we want to do. And we want to do that through God's plan. We want to be that beacon of light to all the world that we read about. I love what Paul records in Philippians 3.14 as we strive to achieve our mission here at our local church. May we forget what lies behind and reach forward to what lies ahead and press towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. You see, with God's help, may we right here, the members of this little country church in Alma, Arkansas, be the salt and light, making a difference in the entire world. So this morning's lesson, my plan is to answer these questions that I have behind me, that who makes up the local church? What is the work that God has called the local church to do according to his scriptures? And what is the scope or the space in which we work doing this? 
So my goal is to share the what, the who, and the where. But first, I think it's important because God tells us this is important. This is important work to be done. You know, God, the creator of everything, designed the church. Tells us in Ephesians 3, 6, the Gentiles have become fellow heirs, members of the same body and sharers in the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. He designed this. And he established it here on earth as we read in Matthew 16, 18, where it tells us, and I tell you, you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. You know, the work of the church here is like Matthew 20, the parable of the sower. The church is a place for work. And this work assigned that I want to talk to you today is threefold. The work here of our local church is threefold. Evangelism, edification, and benevolence. And so I'm going to get into that. But before I do, I want to say, well, who makes up this church? We are. The saints. The church is the body of Christ, it tells us in 1 Corinthians 12, 27. Now you are Christ's body and individually members of it. 1 Corinthians 12, 12 says, For even as the body is one and yet has many members, and all members of the body, though there are many, are one body. So also is Christ. Romans 12, 4 and 5 says, For just as we have many members in one body, and all the members do not have the same function, so we who are many are one body in Christ and individually members of another. You see, God used this figure of speech, the body of Christ, to demonstrate that all members, every individual part of the body is necessary for the proper operation of the body of Christ, and that is the local churches. Ephesians 4, 15 and 16 says, but speaking the truth in love, we must grow in every way into him who is the head in Christ, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by every ligament with which it is equipped as each part is working properly, promotes the body's growth in building itself up in love. You see, just like our physical bodies, we need every muscle, ligament, and organ to do its part in order for our bodies to function properly. You know, there's been a lot of sickness recently. Uh, it's amazing how any injury or sickness affects the entire body, physically. And it's like that for our church as well. We feel it when one of the body are sick both physically and spiritually. When one part of the body stops functioning properly, it's felt everywhere. Because each individual part serves a particular purpose. The parts of our body are unique, serving in a specific capacity, doing something the other parts of the body cannot do. And similarly, the church requires every member to be active in doing the work which God has given them to do. There are clearly roles, evangelists like Philip of the Bible, elders and deacons, 
But there are many, many roles in the local church. We see in 1 Corinthians 12, 15 and 18, it says, which is a smaller part of the entire passage, it says, if the foot would say, because I am not the hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make any less a part of the body. But as it is, God arranged the members of the body, each one as he chose. The same is true with reference to the body of Christ. The man who sits in the pew cannot say, because I am not the song leader, and we have some wonderful, wonderful song leader, one that I am not. But we have some wonderful, wonderful song leaders. Love listening today in particular. If he says, I am not a part of the body, he is a part of the body and has a particular job, which he does. There are no useless members of the body of Christ. There are many roles and jobs which need doing to serve God. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 12, 22 through 24, he said, on the contrary, members of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And those members of the body that we think less honorable, we clothe with greater honor. And our less respectable members are treated with greater respect. Whereas our more respectable members do not need this, but God has so arranged the body, given the greater honor to the member which lacked. Isn't there wonderful wisdom in God? So that tells us if you have a thought that, well, you know, they don't miss me when I'm not there. I'm not really doing anything. God's word tells us you are indeed indispensable and important in the body of Christ. Last fall, a few of us men had the opportunity to go to Texas to attend a church leadership seminar. And during that session, several deacons had a chance from one congregation represented there to share the areas of responsibility that they had for the ongoing support of that church work and how it operates. And they went through kind of just all the items which they do and how they maintain and the ongoing basis with the help of many members of that church. You know, let us activate the entire membership here in the body of Christ. Now, as the men here, we've discussed making a list of all the various jobs and requirements to keep the local congregation functioning, this local congregation functioning properly. We want to make a list so that each of us can help the operation in whatever capacity we serve. We want to strive for good organization and coordination right here. In, second, in, in Colossians 2, 5, Paul wrote about the importance of good organization. He said, For though I am absent in the flesh, yet I am with you in the spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and the steadfastness of your faith in Christ. You see here, order in the New King, New King James Version translated from the Greek, which is taxis for order here, means arrangement, fixed succession, due or right order, a position or rank which generally depends on one's talents. Paul said it very clearly there. You should have order. And I know we want good order here for the function of this church body. So let every member of the body of Christ be active in his own service. The work of visiting the sick, 
There's many forms, right? Many forms of work here. Visiting the sick, comforting the distressed, checking on those who aren't attending, taking the gospel to others. Any member with the knowledge of the gospel can tell his or her neighbor his need for salvation. Even if he or she lacks that teaching, they can do what Cornelius did. Remember Cornelius? He called together his kinsmen and his near friends in order that Peter might preach the gospel to them. We want to be ready for that opportunity to preach the word, to be ready in season, out of season, to correct, to rebuke, and to exhort with great patience and instruction, which 2 Timothy 4.2 tells us. Now, attending services at the church building is not the sum total of your Christian responsibilities. We must view our worship services as times of being built up in the faith in order to go out and convert the world to Jesus Christ. Like in Acts 8.4, now those who were scattered went from place to place proclaiming the word. Pray that all members have love, knowledge, and discernment. Philippians 1.9 says, and this I pray, that your love may overflow still more and more in the real knowledge and all discernment. And furthermore, each of us growing in faith and abounding in love toward each other, as it says in 2 Thessalonians 1.3, we ought always to give thanks to God for you, brothers and sisters, as is only fitting because your faith is increasing abundantly and the love of each and every one of you toward one another grows ever greater. That's what we want here. You see clearly that all believers have an important role. Now, now that we covered the who, let's look at the what. This is a threefold mission for the church. As I mentioned, evangelism, edification, and benevolence. The work to be done. You see, evangelism, Greek for evangelist, is Yoangel is taste. Is a bringer of good tidings. Name given in the New Testament, heralds of salvation. That's the word they gave it. Salvation through Christ. And that were not apostles. Those were evangelists. Philip in Acts 21.8 was called an evangelist. And we know from Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fell fall short of the glory of God, right? We know that. So we need evangelists. We know that the gospel is the only power to save, as it tells us in Romans 1.16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also the Greek. Consequently, God wants his saving word preached. Mark 16, 15 says, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And also in 1 Corinthians 1, 21, for since in the wisdom of God, the world through wisdom did not know God, it pleased God through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. God has given this responsibility to the church to preach his word. The church's marching orders to evangelize are also given in Matthew 28, 19, where it says, Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, 
baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. You see, Jesus' parable of the sower found in Matthew 13 tells us the church is the sower of seeds. We make up the church. First century churches sent preachers out to the world to preach the gospel. The church at Antioch sent out Paul and Barnabas, as found in Acts 13 through 1 and 3. As well in 1 Thessalonians 1, 7 and 8, it says, So that you became an example to all believers in Macedonia and Achaia, for the word of the Lord has sounded forth from you, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but in every place the news of your faith toward God has gone out, so that we have no need to say anything. While Paul preached in Corinth, his financial support was supplied by churches in Macedonia. He took wages from other churches to do the service at Corinth. 2 Corinthians 11.8 says, The church at Philippi assisted Paul financially, preaching the gospel. And in Philippians 4.15 and 16, it says, You yourselves know, Philippians, that at the first preaching of the gospel after I left Macedonia, no church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving, except you alone. For even in Thessalonica, you sent a gift more than once for my needs. This is evangelism. You see, churches of the first century were missionary-minded. And by either sending a preacher or sending funds directly to a preacher, we in the 21st century must continue to exemplify the interest in the lost and put forth the effort to take the gospel to the world. We are fortunate to have the funds here that we can send monthly to a couple evangelists in addition to visiting, to visiting evangelists that come here. We're fortunate that we have the funds that we can do that, and we do that regularly, monthly. We are honored to support evangelists like James Ludicky, Clint's father, and most recently, David Minson and Mike Hall, who are helping us. That is the work of an evangelist, and we as this church support that. We want to see men from here being sent out, perhaps as evangelists someday, preaching the word. Let's move on to edification. In addition to supporting the work of evangelists, the church is to develop its own spiritual strength by edification, or that is the building up of the church in instruction, faith, useful knowledge, and holiness. Like Dwayne said in his prayer this morning, restoring the soul. In God's divine arrangement, he set offices in the church for equipping or perfecting of the saints. Referring to the offices or functions of the church, Paul said as he recorded in Ephesians 4, 11, and 12, that the Lord gave some as apostles, some as prophets, some as evangelists, some as pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edification of the body of Christ. We know from Ephesians 3, 5, the apostles and prophets, they are the ones who revealed the truth, which in other generations was not made known to mankind, it tells us. But as it has now been revealed, his holy apostles and prophets in the spirit. You see, evangelists are to proclaim the truth, as in 2 Timothy 4, 2, it says, preach the word, 
Be ready in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, exhort with great patience and instruction. Pastors, that is the elders, are to see that the truth is taught in the church, as it tells us in Acts 20, 28 through 31. It says, be on guard for yourselves, for all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. And in 29, I know that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among you, your own selves, men will arise, speaking perverse things to draw away the disciples after them. Therefore, we are to be on alert, remembering that the night and day for a period of three years, I did not cease to admonish each one with tears. By faithful teaching of the truth, the saints will be perfected to do the work of the ministry, that is, the service and the building up of the body of Christ. It is also the business of the church to ground and stabilize itself to prevent false doctrine from leaning in astray. Colossians 2, 6 and 7, as well as Ephesians 4, 14 says, like children tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of people, by the craftiness of deceitful scheming. You know, I've seen this happen. Especially as humans, we crave rules and structure or the burden that God no longer wants us to be under, as Paul points out in Philippians 3.9. I am thankful, as you know, here at Highway 71, that we are the beginning stages of seeking to organize our congregation scripturally with the appointment of elders and deacons with the help of an evangelist, as Paul appointed Timothy to do. Whether we are ready now or in the years ahead, we want to prepare ourselves for this God-ordained structure. An important component of this edifying is the developing of our church leaders for tomorrow, five years from now, 10 years from now, 25 years from now, Christian leaders must develop the future leaders. Paul tells us in 2 Timothy 2.2, And what have you heard from me through many witnesses? And trust a faithful people who will be able to teach others as well. Paul invested himself in the training of Timothy. And Timothy was to do the same with other faithful men. Who would in turn invest themselves in yet others. I'm thankful for the leadership here at this congregation to set aside specifically time for the young men to preach and to step further by spending time with them in their lesson preparations and the practicing prior to them sharing. This is a huge investment for which I am personally thankful as men like many men, but like Brian and Dwayne and Clint have done and do regularly. This is a recognition that there needs to be planning. Leaders are not trained by accident. Just like there is a responsibility of leaders to train, there is a responsibility of followers to be trained. I'm very proud of our young men for taking this training seriously and being coachable, trainable in the preparation of their lessons. Additionally, in other roles here, such as song leading, I'm thankful for the song leaders and the training of the song leaders that have had using both outside as well as our inside internal resources for that. 
Psalm 98.4 says, Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Break forth into joyous song and sing praise. God tells us it's a wonderful thing and when we sing together, we know it to be true. Colossians 3.16 says, Let the word of Christ dwell, dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. You see, good leaders first learn to be good followers. And the best leaders have been good followers. Training up our men to be leaders, not only in the church, but in their homes as well. Just as in 1 Corinthians 11.3 says, But I want you to understand that Christ is the head of every man, and the husband is the head of his wife, and God is the head of Christ. This is also in Ephesians 5.23. We know that strong families built on the rock of Jesus Christ come together to make strong local churches. And finally, we are thankful to our women who teach the younger women, as Paul wrote in his letter to Titus 2, 3, and 5, and also often the primary role in raising and educating our children, those future members and leaders. Thankful for the, the women here who take that role so seriously and encouraging each other as each of us in our families go through the ups and downs of life. So now let's move on to benevolence, the third work of the church. In addition to the work of evangelism and edification is the work of benevolence. This is limited work in scope as the scripture teaches. The benefactors of benevolence are the local congregation, of the local congregation, are to be the saints in general. As recorded in Acts 6, 1 through 4, the needs of the widow were supplied by the liberality of the saints. Now at this time, as the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint developed on the part of the Hellenistic Jews against the native Hebrews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily serving of food. So the twelve summoned the congregation of the disciples and said, It is not desirable for us to neglect the word of God in order to serve tables. Instead, brothers and sisters, select from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the spirit and of wisdom, who may be put in charge of this task. But we will devote ourselves to prayer, to the ministry of the word. At another time, when the saints of Jerusalem church became destitute and in one, churches in Macedonia, Achaia, and Galatia sent money to alleviate the needs at Jerusalem. We, need, we read in Romans 15, 26, For Macedonia and Achaia have been pleased to make contribution for the poor among the saints in Jerusalem. We can see clearly that when a need arose among the people of God, the church rallied to their aid. Brethren were concerned for one another, and they demonstrated their love by giving their help their by their physical wants. And as a member of the local congregation, it is an inspiring here to witness the giving spirit so many families have here and how we pull together in times of need. Paul spells this out in his first letter to Timothy that were the guidelines to follow as it relates to who the church should support. 1 Timothy 5.16 If any woman who is a believer has dependent widows, she must assist them and the church is not to be burdened so that it may assist those who are actually widows. Further in 1 Timothy 5.8 But if anyone does not provide for his own, especially for those of his household, 
He has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. I love how Paul in Ephesians 4.28 reminds us of the importance to work and earn by stating, not only should we not steal, but he says, but rather let him labor, working with his hands the thing that is good, that he may have wherefore to give to him that hath need. You know, the Bible tells us it's better to give than receive. And here, Paul specifically states, one of the reasons why we work and we earn is, yes, we take care of our families, but to be in a position to help others. That is a wonderful thing to be able to help others. God put it in us to do that. And our scripture tells us we are to do that. These things mentioned constitute the work of the church. And given the world around us in which we live, it's easy to go outside that. The work of the church, some have, it's grown exponentially what some believe the work of the church to do. But according to the scripture, this is the work of the church. So what is the scope of the work? The final, where does the church work? You know, I won't spend a lot of time in this area. I think I covered it in the who, in the what. But the scope of the work of the local congregation, uh, I want to stress where we think globally, the world for Jesus, but we act locally. Let us focus our energies right here in our community. We know the gospel is spread one community at a time. So local community, our own community, think globally, act locally. And we want to support the evangelists in other areas, both near and far. As I bring this lesson to an end, you know, today I spoke about the local church. I addressed the who, the what, and the where of the mission that God has put forth in his word, which is to bring the gospel to all. The who, that's you and me. We've all been gifted in different ways and we all have many different roles. The what? That is the evangelism, the edification, and the benevolence afforded by our local church. And the where? You know, it starts right here. We come together here in our local community, reaching out to those in need to know the saving power of Christ Jesus. We send out our own preaching and we send funds on to evangelists so that his word can be known all over the world. Are you among the saints this morning? Do you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, giving your life to him, dying to yourself as it is recorded in Colossians 2.12, being buried with him in baptism, which also we were raised with him through faith, in the working of God who raised him from the dead? Or perhaps you need your brother and sisters to pray for you. We're getting ready to sing this invitation song that has been selected. If this is you in either way, I'd ask you to come forward. This building holds a body of believing brothers and sisters that want nothing more than each of us to know that they are loved, and when they feel pain, we all do. 
just like the members of our physical bodies that we spoke of. Let us lift you up in prayer in this way this morning. If this is where you are, please come forward as we stand and sing this invitation song. enjoyed this message recorded at Highway 71 Church of Christ. If you have questions concerning this message or would like to set up a study, please call 479-647-2658. May God bless you.